St. Joseph Radio presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri, the Rome of the West. We'll have to tell you why we're the Rome of the West someday. We have an incredible program. This is an ongoing series, but maybe the first of its kind, and it's called Generations. Fulton is here with us, mm -hmm. Sarah and Deacon Larry. We're going to tell you all about this, but Fulton, what am I talking about when I say generations? So, the general idea is that in this, in the modern culture, it feels like a lot of topics of faith don't get talked about by like kids my age or kids like a little bit older. So I thought it'd be cool, and I've talked to a few people about it, especially you really like the idea, is that we had people from different age groups, different generations, all approaching an issue or a topic and kind of sharing our input so that we get a broader view and that we know people are talking about things. So give up the real answer, Fulton. How old so. are you? I'm 20 years old. 20 years I'm old. The youngest here. Yeah. There you go. And still I'm, kid, I'm the oldest baby. by a long shot. Let's add up everybody's <laughs> age and you won't get to mine. Sarah, Sarah, tell, tell us uh, if I could ask you how old mm -hmm. you are, where are you from, and what are you doing here? Yeah. Thank you, Peter. My name is Sarah Hess. I'm 26 years old. I grew up in the lovely Minnesota. Land of uh, lakes. Yes, so just north of here. Um, I'm here today because you invited me. Super excited to be here. Um, I have been a Catholic for a long time, grew up Catholic, and I have been writing to a personal Catholic blog for the past eight years. Eight years, so you have had something to say. Yes. <laughs> cool. And then lastly, and not least, we have uh, uh, Deacon Larry Nations, and I might say, brand new spanking baby deacon larry yes i am a baby deacon just, uh, just a month ago i, I serve at epiphany of our lord catholic church here in st louis um been a cradle catholic my whole life went to catholic school all the way from kindergarten through my undergraduate and uh you know just love the catholic faith and uh you know love to share it with people there we are so uh, first off, welcome. This is an unusual program we have here. First off, we have so many people, but this is Generations. You're going to hear young uh, voices, <laughs> obviously not mine very much, uh, and we're going to hear perspective about faith. But before we start, uh, we always start with a prayer. You know, I think St. Benedict said no good work should start before prayer. So, Deacon, uh, would you lead us in a prayer? Sure. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here together today. Help us to evangelize about you, to grow in our faith, and uh, help us to bring unity to your faithful and uh, bringing us all here together today. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And by the way, uh, Fulton, uh, one of the things I think we can do best to evangelize, to share our faith, to be out there in public, is to do what we just did. We, we made the sign of the cross. People mm -hmm. see you mm -hmm. do this. It's a powerful, powerful statement without saying a word. Yeah. Yeah, every time, whenever I'm in public and I'm like thinking like, okay, 
should I do it? You know, like, should I make the sign of the cross? I don't want to like, get people looking at me, but it's like a cool challenge. You're like, do I really want to witness to the faith and make the sign of the cross? So uh, I do you, it most times. There uh, are some times when I'm like, you know, I will tell you yeah. a story that does not reflect well on me. Maybe, kind of. So my wife and I are on vacation in Mexico, and of course we pray wherever we go. And we have big groups, little groups, and we're at the beach, and we're coming in through the little jungle area. So we're coming through the, the beach, and, uh, and my wife's walking in front of me, and, and there's a, a, a young 20-something girl walking the other way with the, the smallest bikini I've ever seen. And she smiles at me and says, hi. And I'm like, and she said, I remember you. And, and, and I'm a little dumbfounded, and, she, and my wife and I stopped her. She said, you two made the sign of the cross and said grace. Hmm. She said, Whoa. my oh. faith is rekindled. Hmm. She didn't hear us. She didn't know us, right? But what did she say? I know you. That sign of the cross was an identification of who we are hmm. and who she is. It is a lot yeah. of words without saying very much. Deacon, before we get started with Fulton's agenda, which is packed full, we'll never get through it in an hour, <laughs> uh, you, you gave me the imprimatur on this. This is something I ran across recently that I thought, if I could say, set the table. So Fulton, you haven't heard this before, Sarah, but give it a shot. See what you think. If you are silent about your beliefs because you are worried someone will be offended, then your beliefs are not that important to you, but rather what people think about you is... When you stand up for what's right and true, you will receive both hate and love, but everyone will know what you are fighting for. Hmm. Isn't that what we're talking about? Yeah, that, that plays in exactly with what we're talking about. Um, so the first question that I, I thought would be cool to address is um, basically why does it feel like the idea of religion or spirituality, or if you say you're religious, why does that seem to leave a bad taste in people's mouth? And um, it's like feels somehow almost offensive if you talk about religious things or say you believe in God or you're Catholic when you're around people that aren't like um, what do you guys think about that what do you think is some of those mm -hmm. well I think a lot of people think of faith or religion as a set of rules to follow um, and people don't want to be told what to do yeah I can relate to this I am a young millennial I don't want people to tell me what to do I want to make my own life decisions um, my parents know this. Sometimes I don't even want to listen to what, you know, they have to say. I'm shocked. <laughs> Believe me, I'm absolutely shocked. <laughs> but I think um, that is the problem. People see it as that instead of um, a guiding force hmm. or a way to freedom. So for me, faith isn't about a set of rules. It actually frees me to do what I want to do, what I am called to do. That's good. So let me, let me ask a different question. Is, you said faith is a, or, and we're talking about perception, right? So not mm -hmm. necessarily reality, but let's go, mm -hmm. let's go to it. Is faith or religion a bunch of no's or are they a bunch of yeses? Faith and reality, I mean, in terms of reality and, and, and perception. Is faith and religion perceived as a bunch of no's, no you can't, or yeses? I would say both and. Uh-huh. Just because, I mean, anytime you're saying no to something, you're also saying yes to something, and mm. vice versa. Um, you know, you, it's more about the freedom to do the things that we ought to do, the freedom to choose the good and avoid the evil, 
Um, you know what I mean? And doing good, you're avoiding evil and vice versa. Sounds like you're quoting John Paul. Didn't he say freedom is not the ability to do anything you want to do, but the but the ability to do what you ought to do. To do. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's a really good definition. I was I was just talking to like some friends on how we would define freedom. Yeah. Because I, I get, think it was the readings from last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but they talked a lot about that, and I was very mm-hmm. interested in that that same idea where when you do mention religion or something, they everybody looks at it like a rule set, right. and it's like here's. Here's a structure you have to put on your life that's going to make you not able to do all the stuff you want to do. But, uh, and I think that's actually, that would probably be what I, what I feel is the biggest um, holdup for people is not understanding that it is, it's kind of like the idea of discipline equals freedom. It gives, mm-hmm. you, a, it gives you a rule set that help, helps you adapt to how life should be. Because if it's the truth, then if we follow the truth, our life is going to be properly adapted to how reality is. And so then it's like a, it's like a freeing thing. It's like you get the mm-hmm. rules, but it's like now you get so much more you can do instead of thinking that you're just limited. But a difficult thing we struggle with, I think, in today's society, at least Western society, is people's idea of freedom is I can do what I want and have what I want, right. and it doesn't really, mm-hmm. right. why do I need any limitations? I can have as much as I want of whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we being spiritual and physical beings, that's not the way we were created. But Western society would like to tell you, have as much as you want. Do whatever you would like to do. Yeah. And uh, that will lead to happiness, which doesn't really play out. I went reality. to the baseball game last night. And uh, the batter, and I can't remember who it was, he took a good cut at it, and it, it, it was odd. It bounced in front of him. It bounced back and hit him. And, and then the runner, uh, uh, I don't know what, I don't know what happened to the runner. Nothing happened to the runner. It was a strike. I didn't tell you. I didn't know what it meant. But this whole baseball game has a bunch of rules, right? Mm-hmm. All kinds of rules. And it allows them to do what they do best, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it allows everybody to work together. So it isn't a bunch of no's. It's a bunch of yeses. And, and mm-hmm. it's in the simplest of things, whether it be baseball or when you write. I mean, mm-hmm. you have... I imagine that when you write, it isn't first draft, hit the button, publish. Absolutely not. You're thinking about it and phraseology, mm-hmm. right? You, you're trying to figure out the rules of grammar. You want it to be intelligible and uh, understood, understandable, right? Intelligible. Those are rules, but it helps us work together. I know you're mm-hmm. you're you're more into the tough guy stuff, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be. I haven't I haven't enjoyed it as much, but it, yeah, the same thing applies. So. Um, I did jujitsu for a little while, and then I did boxing, and then I... I don't mess with them. <laughs> well, I had one boxing match. I lost that one, and I ever since, I was like, you know, I don't know if I really care that much. But, uh, no, it's the, it is that exactly where it takes massive uh, training and massive effort, and you have to constantly practice to get better just so that you are actually free to use your tools when the opportunity comes. So, like, I wanted to do it for self-defense, so then... Once I got used to how to, you know, hold your hands up and guard and move around, then you feel a lot more, it's almost, it was a really freeing because you feel mm-hmm. way more confident in kind of who you are and how your body works, that it's like, you when you're out in public and you're like, it's like, guy's looking a little shady, you know, it's like, maybe you're not as scared that time, so. I was, I, I grew up in Chicago and not the best of neighborhoods to say the least, and I remember this one kid, he was, he got in, he, he we were in a bad part of town, you know, where I lived, and um, there was a, a guy who was going to 
beat him up, right? This is, this is a fight. There's fights all the time. But he was not very big compared to the other guy. But he, in about a minute or so, I realized he had studied boxing. He took this guy out in no time. He learned the rules, if you will. He learned the disciplines, mm -hmm. the techniques. It helped him be better at what he was doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Where are we at now? Uh, the next part. So, um, at a time when people feel like life has no ultimate purpose, um, why do you believe that it does? And not only that, but that God is at the center of it all. So it's like a lot of people will say, oh, I have a lot of meaning in life. You know, I have this and I have this. And some people are like, I have no meaning in my life and I don't have this. Mm -hmm. but there, there is a lot of people who will say, I have no meaning in life or there mm -hmm. is yeah. no meaning in life. Yeah. yeah. Well, kind of going off of what we were just talking about as some people see faith as a set of rules to follow. Um, if you're not following faith, you're following something. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Everyone has an idol. Mm -hmm. If you aren't following God, you're following maybe yourself or your own accomplishments. Uh, maybe you're putting your identity in your work or your family status. Right. Um, but that is kind of putting the effort on you and you alone. You it's you're your own idol it's all up to you but with faith i have so much freedom in knowing that it's not all up to me if it was all up to me it would be a disaster <laughs> i would be an emotional wreck all the time and i'm already an emotional wreck sometimes so i just think putting that in perspective have faith gives you something to follow and not just anything but the creator of the universe Sure. How cool is that? That's right. That he invited us to um, have a relationship with him. And I think if people see it as that, um, they might change their perspective a little bit about what faith really is all about. Mm. Could, could you ask the question one more time? Because I want to make sure I, I, yeah. I put it in my mind properly. So at a time where so many people don't feel like life has an ultimate purpose, why do you believe it does? And not only that, but that God is at the center of it all. You know, I think about this, two things come to mind. Uh, you know, first is, is, do you believe that we're just physical beings? I mean, or are we just, uh, are, I mean, are we a bunch of hairless monkeys running around? Or are we actually spiritual and physical beings? And, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that we're both. Um, but I look at the uh, two extremes, if you will. You think of Tom Brady, probably one of the most successful guys in his realm way he does in football. I don't, I don't follow him a whole lot, but I know he's won tons of Super Bowls, tons of MVPs, has a supermodel wife, has a couple kids, has the perfect life of what the world today would say is a perfect life. But yet, he seems to be unsatisfied. It's like he can't get uh, enough, mm -hmm. yeah. right? But you can go down to South St. Louis here and go into a uh, cloistered nun's uh, convent and yes, you'll see them once a year when they get to see people and they look like the most happy, peaceful people you've ever met in your life. And the world today would look at them and say, well, they don't have anything. Right. They have nothing. So why is it that they can be so peaceful and happy with nothing, as the world would say, but yet you have Tom Brady who has everything and he seems to be still looking. I think, it's, I think we're going to go back to the, your idea of idol, Sarah. Mm -hmm. But first off, let me remind everyone that this is St. Joseph Radio Presents coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm your host, Peter Krutz, and we are here in studio, live and in living color, also on the Internet, so you'll have to check us out on the Internet, uh, with Fulton, Sarah, and Deacon Larry. I'm your host, Peter Krutz. Um, 
Father Augustine, who's a, a Benedictine monk, uh, says that he was teaching seventh graders or eighth graders theology, and the one kid is an avowed atheist <laughs> at the priory, for goodness sakes. And he says to the other kids there, he says, don't, don't tell me all this spiritual crap that you are talking about. He says, I know you boys. I see you on the weekend. I know what you are. You're not even true to yourself. And the one kid, and the one kid says, "You're right, but we are trying to be true to something bigger than ourselves, right?" And and what this atheist kid said resounded in today's contemporary wisdom, but it falls flat when you think about, you know what? I, I'm I'm not all that right now. I am not the perfection. If I, at my present state in life, is the goal. That's a sad state of affairs. Mm -hmm. Maybe we're not mm -hmm. perfect uh, at all, but we're looking, we're not making ourselves the idol. We're looking to God, mm -hmm. right? We're looking to the saints. We're looking at, to something more than ourselves. There is no such thing as a vacuum. There is no such thing as non-belief, right? Mm -hmm. he, had, he had himself as his own idol. Tell me more about idols. I think an idol is anything that you look up to or love or cherish more than yourself. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people, they themselves are their own idol. Yeah. Which, again, you just said we're not perfect. No one is perfect. So you're just going to have, be disappointed, see failure, and even as believers, we see that too. Sure. But we can look to someone, a God, who is perfect. And we might not know everything, but he does. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, when I'm talking to somebody who's a, a, an atheist agnostic, um, that they'll, you know, you, I, I ask them, do you, you know, do, how do you know what's good and what's bad? And they start getting confused when you start going that direction. But just fundamentally, the only reason we know what is good or gooder, to be a, mm -hmm. use very poor English, <laughs> is because you have a concept, an idea of what the ultimate good is. There is the perfect ideal, the mm -hmm. idol, the ideal of perfection, which by definition is God. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, <clears throat> there's, there's this video. Um, I'm a big fan of Jordan Peterson. Uh, if we ever have more conversations, I I've heard of him, him all the time. You know, but, he got tossed off of uh, Twitter recently. Yeah, yeah, but now he's on Daily Wire, so they're going to they're gonna protect him there. So, But anyway, uh, there was a video that he was talking to an atheist in, and this is one of his biggest, um, one of his biggest pushes, I guess. It, it's what helped me sort of figure out why the faith to me was so important. Mm -hmm. And so he talks about uh, value hierarchies. And so when he's talking to this atheist, she was saying, like, you don't need a God. You don't have a God. There's no real meaning. You just get up and kind of do things. And he's like... Well, to do anything, you have to have a, a hierarchy of values that one is at the top and then it goes down the list. So if you want to move or if you want to go do something, you already had to have, that was at the top of the, the value hierarchy. That was like what you're after. And so he says that you basically act out having value in things. And so um, it's the same thing with everybody has an idol. It's like to even exist, there's a hierarchy of values that you have and there's an aim that you're after. Even if you think that you're not after anything, you're just after not being after anything. Sort of. mm -hmm. So then um, that was what really helped me think, okay, if I know I'm already doing this, which system or what answer is going to 
help me properly integrate that idea and then actually live my life out towards an aim that's not just fruitless and it's not after myself, but it's at something that's going to encompass everything in life. And that's what I feel like the faith that was offers. That was deep. I, mm -hmm. I think some <laughs> philosophers said once the unexamined life is not worth mm -hmm. living. And I, I'm it's escaping me who said that. But but that's what you're, you're doing. So uh, And I, I know you have a couple other things you want to do. So at the risk of not getting through it all, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you all with something. Because yeah. we're on topic <laughs> right now. Do people know that you're a man of faith, a woman of faith? And how do they know that? I'll leave that up to you guys. <laughs> I would say, I mean, yes, for sure. Um, it comes out lots of different ways. Uh, people ask you, what'd you do this weekend? Well, I went to church. Or, mm -hmm. you know, what'd you do in my work? Um, you know, it comes out in lots of different ways when people just ask you questions about what's going on and this and that. But more than anything, uh, the old adage, they'll know us by our love. You yeah. know what I mean? And the way you treat and the way you act around people and the way mm -hmm. you react to things. And when it is completely different than what everyone around you acts and how they would react to things, because when you work with people, just in work or in an environment, when you're around the people you know, you know how they're going to react to stuff and you know what they're going to do. And when they see that your reaction or the way you react to something is completely different than what everyone else is going to do, they know it. And they know, and then, you know, it's only a matter of time before they're like, why, why do you do it like that when everyone else does it like this? Hmm. And that's your, your opportunity to be like, well, talk about God. Mm -hmm. There you go. It, mm -hmm. You asked, you want the answer? Here it is. You know, yeah. they may not like your answer, but the fact of the matter is, is they ask you. Um, it, it's just they asked of, you. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, whatever you live and you live the example and live a Christian life, uh, you know, it stands out quite a bit differently than the secular world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to kind of reiterate that point, I think people know I am a woman of faith um, in the tangible ways. So I'll say I went to church this weekend. I write about my faith in a blog. Um, I do the sign of the cross when I'm out to eat at a restaurant. But I think it's in the intangible ways that are even kind of hard to explain. But I have been working in the corporate world for the past five years. Um, it's not always appropriate to talk outwardly about your faith, but in the way I act, in the way I treat people, how I go about my work, people can tell that I'm different. And I use the word different because they might not even know what exactly it is, but they know that I'm different. An example of this is, um, gossiping. It's so easy to gossip in the workplace. Um, but people just know, oh, S Sarah doesn't do that. Or they kind of know that I don't love when people gossip around me and they um, tend to change the subject. So I think little things like that, it's maybe not, not participating in certain things um, and showing that you're different can show that you are a person of faith. And different is a cinnamon, synonym of holy. Holy means to be set apart. So I, I think that's very insightful. Fulton, you, you yeah. passed. <laughs> it's back to you, man. Well, um, uh, I think that I hope that people know that I'm a man of faith. But um, I think it's a constant battle of trying to not... I, I've... I've uh, hmm. It's been difficult to see a lot of people that are extremists with religion. And... Um, 
easily turn off people that aren't mm -hmm. the same faith and it's really hard to have conversations with people when there's a massive rift and if they aren't used to still talking about things um, when you guys know you disagree massively on it um, it's hard to sort of reach out to people in that sense so I think there are, I try to be wise when I do it but I try to um, maybe not be explicit with that like I'm a Catholic and this is what mm -hmm. I believe but more of like just loving them through your actions because just stigma behind um, so much of the faith and like just having the, the uh, title, I guess. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so I try to always witness to it in the ways that are more personal instead of going out and trying to like tell someone how to live or what they're doing is wrong unless it's going to be constructive, I guess. So I don't want to mm -hmm. just like condone every action, but I don't want to also take that sort of negative approach. What I'm hearing you all say is that you've opened your heart to your faith and you're not, you're not hiding it, you're living it. And as a result of living it, there are opportunities where people will come to you about faith, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then uh, my favorite Bible verse is 1 Peter 3.15, which I will quote very badly, always have a reason for the sure hope that is in you. So people see living your lives in a different way and they can see that it, you're, you're being informed by your faith, that'll naturally cause folks to be attracted to it. Because we are, we're attracted to God. We're attracted to faith. And if, we are, if they're attracted to you, they're going to talk to you about it. And, and mm -hmm. they're coming, as you said, Deacon Larry, they're coming to you, right? Yeah. I, I remember I was, I, I've said this many times, I travel a great deal, less now after pandemic. But I used to say, I. Every trip I take, I always talk about faith, and I don't bring it up. Hmm. And I, I remember I was tired. It was a long trip. I was coming back. I was flying back to St. Louis, and I had fallen asleep on the plane. And as we're, as we're flying into St. Louis, coming in for a landing, I, I realized that I hadn't talked to anybody about faith that day. And I thought, this is God's punishment for me being pompous, right? <laughs> <laughs> And as I woke up and I kind of shook the, uh, the cobwebs out of my mind, the man next to me said, uh, you're Catholic, aren't you? <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, I oh, am. He, he was a Baptist minister, and apparently he saw me make the sign of the cross before the flight took off. So you know what? Mm -hmm. If we're open to God using us, he's going to use us. And if we shut the door, if that door is locked, bolted, and, and, and triple bolted, he's going to respect our no. You know, God wants us to love him, but he gives us that free will. Without free will, we can't love anybody. So he wants us to do the right thing, uh, but he won't force us. Hey, we're talking about faith and generations. Go and tell a friend to come and listen to this program. Teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution. Offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable, Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students. 
recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility in home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the pro-life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. Welcome back to St. Joseph Radio Presents, coming to you again live from St. Louis, Missouri. You know, a lot of things aren't live anymore. They're just canned. This is the real deal. This is live. We're here with Fulton, Sarah, and Deacon Larry. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. So before we get back into it, generations, let me just tell you a few things that are going around, going on here in the church in the greater St. Louis area. And I know there's a bunch of states around, so this goes to you, too. We're going to have the Catholic Woman of the Year uh, nominations opening up right now. So if you know a good woman, and you probably do, uh, <laughs> think about nominating her. Uh, call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000, and nominate this good woman. Look, we need more good examples, right? So th just be sure of this. When you go and talk to this person, say, I'm going to nominate you, the first thing out of her mouth is going to be, I don't want to do it, don't do it. If you nominate, I'm not going to. Don't, don't listen to that stuff. We need people to be good examples, right? That's why we have the saints, right? That's why we, we, we have the, the church. We need a guide. We need idols other than ourselves. So please, if you know a good woman nominator, we need those nominations coming in fairly quickly. Call us at 636-447-6000. Also, here's a good man, Father Cashin. I won't pronounce his last name because I always mispronounce it anyway. He is um, he's a Benedictine monk, and he's going to give a talk at St. Gerard Magella, great church on Doherty Ferry Road, on July 20th at 7 p.m., after Vespers, and Deacon will tell us what Vespers mean in a little bit. Um, he's, he's a fun guy. He's a Benedictine monk. He wears a black robe and a hood, but he's, he is a fun man. Um, I think he's the prior, actually. So it's going to be about the rule of St. Benedict. If you want to have some fun with it, go pick it up at your nearest Catholic bookstore. It's, it's a little, little tiny book, maybe 40 pages, uh, and it's the rule that many religious orders have followed for centuries. It's really very cool. So again, that is at St. Gerard Magella on Dirty Ferry Road, July the 20th, 7 p.m. after Vespers. We'll find out what Vespers mean in a minute. Lastly, if you want a copy of this program or any other program, you can call us right here at 636-447-6000. 
We'll be happy to send you a copy. Help us with the postage, and we'll, we'll send it to you. This program or any other program. Yeah, I'll just throw one out there. there. We have programs on everything. It's unbelievable. But there's a guy who actually put together a three-part video series on door-to-door -door evangelization. You know, I mean, if you feel called to do door-to-door -door evangelization and don't know how to do it, write us and get the program. So anything you want to talk about. Also, we are here in studio but on the radio, but we have video as well. You'll find us on Roku, on our own channel, and we'll, uh, also on YouTube. So look for us. Look for us. So, uh, Fulton, before I keep talking forever and ever, <laughs> what in the world are we doing here? So we are doing Generations, which is basically uh, where we get together with a bunch of people of different ages from different generations. And then we talk about issues that uh, are contemporary but have to do with faith. What's our issue today? Our issue today is basically um, we have faith and we, we believe and we see truth. And um, well, we believe we see truth and, and a lot of people don't. And there's a lot of issues on both sides of that. So how can we sort of act as bridging the gap and what are some of the, the pitfalls that come with trying to do that? So. Yeah, yeah. Very simple stuff. Yeah, it is. Uh, so, and Fulton is our guide through this, so he's going to direct us to our next thought that right. we need to consider so, and see. debate. We got, um, why has, this is a good one. This is why I like this one. So, right. why has religious practice or spirituality come to be perceived as just a boring superstition, arbitrary rules, instead of an adventure or like a mountain to climb, a massive mm -hmm. challenge, something that is going to call you out of your... Uh, call you out of the, you know, your the comfortability, I guess. Yeah. Yes, and call you forward. So what happened? Um, I think part of it is that people see faith as just a part of life or just an aspect instead of the full picture. It's the whole. So for me, my faith is not just something I do on Sundays or something I do during my morning prayer time. It literally encompasses everything I do and why I do it. So if that's my purpose, that is my whole goal in life, is my faith. It encompasses everything. That's what makes it a journey. And there are seasons in my faith. Sometimes I'm not as on fire about the faith as I would like to be. Like maybe you're listening to us talk and being like, wow, they're really on fire. I don't necessarily feel that way. Well, we all go through seasons of dry spells. <laughs> well, of course. Um, but... Even when that is happening, my faith is still my guiding force. It is my whole being. It is why I do what I do. And I think if we see faith as that instead of just an aspect, we see it as that adventure and that journey that you talked about. Well, you mentioned it's, a, it's not a quick journey, right? It, we mm -hmm. don't get there like that. Uh, we live in a world of instant gratification. Uh, you know, I, I laugh when I see people chuckle about their cell phones not working fast enough. And they're like, what's taking so long? I'm like, gee, give it a chance. It's only got to go a couple miles up in the sky and then back down and, you know, wherever it gets the information from, right? It's like we live in a world where everybody wants everything right now. And, uh, you know, hey, uh, faith, God, isn't like that. Uh, you know, some things are worth waiting for. Um, but unfortunately, in today's environment, in today's world, it seems like uh, most people aren't willing to wait for just about <laughs> anything at all. Um, I think that certainly plays into why people view it as it's boring. I mean, we're Catholic. We go to church. We're at Mass for an hour. And that right there is just doing it. People doing anything for an hour seems like a daunting task for some people. 
um, to do that. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's we live in a world of instant gratification, and people aren't willing to get past that. I, I celebrated my 40th wedding, 30th wedding anniversary uh, just a couple of days ago. And one of the things I did is I took my wife to uh, have this steak dinner um, and because it was the only place open on the 4th of July because no <laughs> restaurants are open. But uh, what I, what I want to tell you is I want to tell you about this restaurant, right? Because I know you two have never had steak, right? And you've never been to this great restaurant. But this steak is the most unbelievable steak I've ever had. It was hot and sizzly. Right? It was delicious, and the potatoes <laughs> and the vegetables were succulent. It, the service was impeccable, right? I have never had a meal like this ever. I've never had service. And the ambiance there was unbelievable. And at the end, I didn't get a bill. You know, when we talk about faith, sometimes we're talking to people who have no idea what we're talking about because they've never experienced it. But they automatically are dismissive. How in the world can you do without your cell phone for an hour in church? They cannot understand. Uh, that's not really how the steak dinner was. But they cannot understand what they haven't experienced, right? And sometimes faith for me is like trying to tell somebody who's never had a great steak dinner what a great steak dinner is. Because they've never been there. They don't know what it's like. They can't. How do you describe steak to a person who's never had meat? How do you describe you know, a, a, you know, being treated like a king as the, you know, people come and, and serve you and, and, and you have this intimate time. You, you have to experience it. I find that people, as, as you were describing, dismiss before they've experienced. They dismiss what they don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if they could only experience it only once, it would change them. It would change them. I, I'm going to be critical about Catholics for a second. Deacon, you'll recommend me to a good priest for confession. Are you are you guys ever invited to, to Protestant churches by friends? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All the time. Mm -hmm. I feel we don't do that enough. I mean we got it, we got the real deal. But we don't we don't do enough invitation. Yeah. Well, I mean it is hard because it's like if they if they invite you, they're like, We're gonna have coffee and we're gonna have donuts and you get to just like there's cup out. holders in church rock yeah. music and yeah. stuff and you're like, Well, you can't have our stuff when you come, but you can sit. <laughs> 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 like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, sit there with their hands folded. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's um that is something that I noticed because I have I work with um friends that are Pentecostal at work. Right. And when I'm like I was trying to think of how I would evangelize when they already sort of believe in stuff, you know, so they're already, they already have their own practice, but I'm like, how would I even make the faith sound more interesting than what they already fully believe in that they're right. like, they have like a, it's a, like a personal sort of devotion to it. It's not just sure. like following along. They are like, they believe it themselves. Right. And so I was like, um, trying to understand or trying to figure out the best way to sort of tell people about the adventure that comes with the faith because it is it's the mm -hmm. same thing with what both of you guys said so it's like first of all everyone is so filled up with all this other reward all this other gratification that it's like they don't think that there's something that can come that can be more and then mm -hmm. um, I think when you're filled up like that you aren't able to even look at what could possibly come so it's like you said go to this steak place yeah. go get the steak <laughs> and I'm like I have six Big Macs Right here. I don't want this thing. And it was way cheaper. I don't have to give up time. I don't have to dress nice. I don't have to go. So it's like, how do you, um, I guess what I would, what I've tried to understand myself is how the adventure of 
devoting your life to an aim that's way beyond yourself, even if you can't justify it like scientifically or if you don't have all the arguments against everybody that challenges you, how can you have a an ex what are the what are the first steps, let's say, the practical steps of how you can begin to implement uh, building a relationship with God, even if you, let's say, don't believe in God, but you have to, if, if there's a massive system that's been going on for all these years, and there's people that give their lives and die for it and preach on it and all this stuff, and everyone's doing that for all their different belief systems, there, I feel like there's some part of you, if you're a person that is after truth, that it's, it's only good that you pursue it a little bit. And so if you can't immediately feel like you've got a connection to God or you've got a lifestyle that doesn't work or you don't think that it's even a smart per thing a smart person would do, what are some practical steps that someone could take to just get their feet wet and open themselves up and so that they know that they've opened themselves up? And then if nothing comes or if they don't think that it's real, then it's like kind of freeing, I guess. I don't know. I think also we're, we have to relate to people um, where they are at. And as humans, we can relate to everyone on a human level. We all have physical bodies. We all have emotions. Um, we are spiritual beings. Um, meeting people where they're at and talking to something, talking it in a way that made sense to them. Um, so happiness, as an example, everyone wants to find happiness. That's a lot of people's goal in life. Um, from a faith perspective, I think we can bring it to, okay, um, you want to find happiness. What about the joy? I, th I find joy and happiness to be different things. Um, that's a whole other topic. But I think um, people can relate to joy, and they know, they know what that feels like. Um, I think from a faith perspective, we feel joy in whatever circumstance. Um, happiness is tied to circumstances. Joy is overall joy of the Lord. Um, and I think people, like we talked about earlier, can see our joy through how we live our life, through our actions. Um, even when we go through rough patches, we still have that joy of the Lord. And I think that's one thing that people can really grasp to, um, even if they don't totally understand it. They can see it in the way we live our lives. It definitely is uh, building a relationship is going to help bring people to the Lord and having a relationship with people, but I find, and we kind of discussed this a little bit, is when we try to uh, evangelize, if you will, uh, you know, and give and talk to people about our faith, we oftentimes uh, will throw up on them, for lack of a better word. We'll tell them like, hey, check this out. You got to do this and this and this. Whereas you're trying to, you know, I look at that as you're pushing what you have onto someone else. And if you can pull them into the faith, meaning through questions, not like interrogating, but just like, hey, I noticed you did this. I'm just curious, why did you do that? Or, mm -hmm. you know, like I would have not done that, but I mean, just I'm curious why you did this, why you reacted that way, mm -hmm. you know, and do those things. And through questions, you can, one, get them to examine what they're doing, uh, you know, in their life and why they're doing it. And maybe that will lead to deeper Things like, well, I don't know. I thought it would make me feel good. Okay, well, did it make you feel good? Not so much. Yeah, yeah not so much. You know? uh, yeah, and you can use that to just uh, pull them and get them to look at things yourself. Because uh, you know, I found in life that when uh, you say things to people who 
if they have their walls up, they're not going to believe anything you say. But if you can get them to say it themselves, mm-hmm. they'll tend to be much more open to believing it or if they can come around to thinking it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to you just trying to tell people what you know, which uh, isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy sitting with you all so much, I can't hardly tell you. I mean, I'm looking at you and, and remembering my life when I was young. I, and, I, I grew, I, and that was a long time ago. It takes, takes a lot of memory to come back to that. But I grew up, again, I grew up in Chicago, and I remember, you made me think of something. I remember I was, uh, I, I was going with a friend uh, to a party. And if you know Chicago, it doesn't get cold. It gets bitter cold. I mean, <laughs> brutal, bone-crushing cold. And it's crowded, and you have, to, it's, you have to park a thousand miles away, right? So I remember I was going to a party with a friend of mine, and I parked my car, and I'm walking. I think I had like three blocks to walk. And I and my fingers, I can't feel them anymore. It's so cold. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm like, what am I doing here? And we're walking. And, and as I got closer to the house, I heard the music right and the music got louder and i heard voices right and i i i heard you know fun going on and and the door opened and my you know the, my friend who was having the party she's standing there smiling giving us a hug i was smiling before i hit the door i was happy with my fingers as cold as they were before the door opened but you reminded me of that sarah because you were talking about joy their joy, their happiness was contagious. And I think that's by living our lives in Christ, in faith, in joy, is contagious. That's why they're going to come to you. I, 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 I know this is probably a bit of heresy because I know it's not one of the seven gifts of the Spirit, but I think joy is one of the gifts of the Spirit. <laughs> I do. I really do. Because you, you, you want to be with other people who are happy, right? Definitely. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that's, that, that, that they, want, they want what you have, mm-hmm. right? They, you know, I, yep. I don't know who that is, that Sarah and Fulton, but they're, they're living this joyful life. I want that. I want that. You know, I, I, sometimes I think the most, and I think um, um, in our men's group this morning, um, I think it was Ryan who brought it up that one of the biggest problems is anxiety in young people. They're attracted to joy. Yeah, that's actually something. Um, that oh, I'm, I'm sorry, in- Fulton. I got to interrupt. This oh. is St. Joseph Radio presents, coming to you live from St. Louis, Missouri. Peter doesn't get fired, and we're back on it. Okay. So, um, something that I've been uh, thinking about recently a lot is uh, as I started trying to take my faith more seriously. I was massively critical of everything that I did that was wrong. And obviously, most of the things that you do in life, you're wrong. Because it's just... Well, I'm a man. I'm usually (laughs) wrong anyway. (laughs) um, And so I I always was very, I would say, blue, let's just say. Like kind of downcast because you're like, oh, I messed up there. Ah, messed up there. Messed up there. Messed up there. Messed up blah, 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 blah. And it, it felt like it was so much more of a heavy weight. And then as I started trying to think, okay, how can I, like when I'm around people, I feel more of like I'm just being a negative energy because I'm thinking of like, well, how, what could I be doing that would be better, more of this, more of that, and always trying to, just too critical basically. So I was asking myself, how can I, what do people actually want from people? And if we, I was thinking to myself, if we have, you know, if we have actually the truth and we're really united with God, he would want us to be massively joyful. 
Absolutely. all the time. And so I was like, okay, instead of worrying so much about how I suck, I should start <laughs> worrying about how I can be a light for other people and spread love instead of just being a, another reminder for people of how we fail. And so mm -hmm. I tried to um, do that way more, and I found a lot of um, a lot more joy and a lot more happiness around people that I love. And I was wondering if you guys have noticed similar things. Yeah, I think it takes the pressure off of yourself too, um, and points the joy, the happiness, um, just the perspective to God, because that's what it's all about. If we're so focused on ourselves and what we can do better, um, we're not going to bring that joy to other people. Um, I think that's why a lot of, to your point, young people these days have a lot of anxiety um, and pressures. There's a ton of pressures in today's society. I, I experience that every day in the workplace or just living my life. But I think a lot of it is because people are putting it all on themselves and it's all yeah. up to you. Mm -hmm. um, but as Catholic Christians, it's, it's not all up to us. And that's the most freeing thing um, that we can point to Christ and he is our savior and he is our guide. Um, so just putting the focus on him as much as we can. Yeah, Fulton, what you said brought me, I don't wanna go back, but you know, you talked about rules and religion and we gotta do all these things. What you just said to me made me think of Lent and we give up stuff for Lent. And um, you know, every year I'm gonna do this or I'm gonna stop doing this thing that isn't the best for me. And I say, I'm gonna give this up. And then all of a sudden I become acutely aware of all the times I f fall short. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. it, 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 in perspective of what you said, yeah, you're like, oh man, I'm really terrible at this. But it's like, well, how long have I been really terrible at it and not aware? But yet it brought you to the other side to a joyful, being more joyful, being able to spread the joy and do that in, in examining what you were doing, right? I mean, mm -hmm. again, not to back up, but that was just something that a practice that we do as Catholics that you just gave me a real life example of, well, this is where it worked out for the better. And that's why we do the disciplines and the things we do um, to get together, to get better and improve and to live a more full life and to become more of who we are. Hmm. Rules and what we do wrong. And, uh, I, I was on vacation and uh, this same vacation actually and uh, chatting with some people and, the, and everybody left, the family left, except for the guy, and he came and he says, you're religious. And, and I'm like, how do you know I'm religious? I don't know, maybe my cross, maybe it was a shirt, I don't know. And he, uh, he starts questioning me. Uh, at the end of it, I realized why he was so upset. His son had died at 21, and he was hurt and hurting, and I just said, God loves you. Because I didn't know what to tell him. Years Years before that, I got a call late at night. I was already in bed. Uh, my daughter, it was a terrible snowstorm. My daughter, who was a 16-year-old driver, called and she said, I had an accident. The car is in a, you know, off the road in a cliff. It won't run. It's free, you know. I gave the phone to my wife. I threw my contacts on. I raced out there. The, the car is in this, it nose deep into this. And she's standing out there without a coat. Of course, kids don't wear coats. She's terrified. What did I do? I grabbed her and I hugged her and I put coat on her and I put her in my car. God loves you. Whatever you're at, whatever state in life you're at, God just wants to wrap you up. He knows what you did. He knows what you're gonna do, but he loves you. And I think that's, 
the joy that we can express to other people is really communicating God's love. Tell somebody. Have them really believe that wherever they're at in their life, God loves them. You're not going to surprise him. He already knows you. That joy will communicate that to hey, them. You know, I think that's, uh, that's an angle that is the best one to approach with. Um, because it really is at the end of the day, there's going to be, you could have a, so many different arguments against all this stuff, science, blah, 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 logic, whatever you want to say. But when it comes down to it, it's like when there's nothing else and when you are only yourself and you're, there's, you just feel nothing, there is something that can transcend all of that. And that's why we base our life on the faith. And that's why we're here trying to do good things. And uh, so for, for all the anxiety that comes with life and all the weight and the terror and the, all that crap, it's like there is something there that's going to wrap. There's someone there that's going to wrap the coat around you and mm -hmm. it's going to say, I love you. I love you. And that's it. Mm -hmm. And that's, what we, that's, who, that's who we are. What a great example of a human father on earth. Um, just imagine that's what God is doing for all of us each and every day. Multiplied um, a million times. Yes. Times a million. Yeah. And I think it's just we can trust, especially as young people, I don't know what my future holds. I have no idea what I'll be doing 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. But I can trust my unknown future to a known God. And I think that's, that's the greatest joy that I want to share with people. Deacon, I, I, I'm keying on something you said. I, I personally love to argue. You know, and, I, and, I, and I, my head is so big, I don't know how I got through the door. I think I can win any argument with anybody, certainly about faith. We've got to win the faith, right? We have to win a heart. We have to express a joy. If, if our goal in every action and interaction we have is to bring the love of Jesus Christ to people, I think it'll all work out well. Deacon, we have a couple of 30 seconds left. Would you mind giving a blessing to our listeners? Sure. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us all here together today to spread your faith or to spread your love and to help us grow in faith. And we bless you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come back and see us again. Fulton, Sarah, Deacon Larry, thanks so much for being here. And call us if you want a copy of this program, 636-447-6000. We'll see you next time. been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. This was Generations. If you missed it, see it. That's Fulton, Sarah, Deacon Larry. I'm your host, Peter Karutz. The perspective of faith in our world today from the eyes, the ears, and the intellect of young people. Watch it, come back and see us again. Okay. <laughs>